You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, this Thursday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast is presented by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On this Thursday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast, we are going to begin by discussing an update to the Tennessee Titans 2022 compensatory pick formula because free agent and former Tennessee Titan Jadavian Clowney has picked a team and he has officially signed with the Cleveland Browns. So we're going to talk about Clowney's deal. We're going to talk about how it impacts the Titans comp pick formula for next draft. And I got to mention that shot that Clowney took at the Titans in his opening presser. After that, we are going to dive into an article that I found particularly interesting from Matt Harmon at Yahoo.com talking about some of the wide wide receiver groups and ranking some of the wide receiver groups around the NFL. Going to tell you where the Titans fit into his rankings, whether I agree or disagree, and what the Titans can do to change where they are. After that, we are going to cap off this Thursday show by giving you some updates on the Titans off-season workout schedule and give you some more updates on the Titans' particular situation as it is with the NFLPA and some of the teams boycotting those voluntary workouts. So giving you some more updates on that front as well on this Thursday edition of the Locked on Titans podcast. Let's get it! going to kick off today's show by talking about the Titans compensatory pick formula for 2022 and within that discussion obviously is the big news of Jadavian Clowney signing with the Cleveland Browns and what we know right now is Clowney's deal is going to be one year eight million dollars with incentives that could get him up to $10 $10 million total. So we're looking at Clowney being an 8 to $10 million player, and that would, in fact, add into the Titans' compensatory pick formula. So, of course, something that we've talked about previously on the show, but I'll reiterate here, the NFL has a program, has a system where if your free agents leave and get big money deals and you don't bring in a bunch of free agents back onto your team, you often get rewarded with draft picks. It's something that happened to the Titans this year. They got an extra third-round draft pick because uh, Jack Conklin went and signed with the Browns for a big money deal, which would result in a third round pick and then the Titans signed Vic Beasley and Marcus Mariota left and went to the Raiders those two deals canceled each other out which just left the Titans losing Conklin that results in a third round pick well Clowney at that price is going to factor in and that leaves you looking at who the Titans have signed and who the Titans have left or who the Titans have let leave, I would say. But let's talk about that clowny shot at the Titans before we move on to that. In his opening presser, uh, basically he was asked about what drew him to Cleveland, and one of the things he said is they won games. And he he said this exactly, quote, you guys won 12 games last year, right? More than the team I played on, 
end quote. Now, that isn't a very big shot, but you look at his facial expressions, his body language while saying it, it's pretty obvious that it was meant to be a petty shot at the Titans, and quite frankly, I'm just glad that Clowney's uh, boom or bust potential is someone else's problem this year. He's a guy who I would have considered signing back at the right price, most certainly not $8 million, though. You can't sign for about $12, $13 million the previous year. All of the negatives and concerns about your play are realized. You get injured, only play eight games. The eight games you did play weren't incredibly productive. They weren't terrible, but they certainly don't justify the contract he got last year from the Titans or the contract he got this year from the Browns. It's another team banking on Clowney's quote-unquote potential. But either way, I appreciate Clowney going to a team and getting that kind of deal because it could positively impact the Titans' compensatory pick formula. Now, I have some questions about the way that the formula is going to work out for next year because by my count right now, not every free agent signing counts towards the compensatory pick formula. It needs to be a certain amount of money, and we don't really know what that cutoff will be right now. But what I do know is, because the Titans released Adoree Jackson, Malcolm Butler, Dennis Kelly, and Adam Humphreys, and Kenny Vaccaro, they are not going to be included in the compensatory pick formula no matter what they sign for or where they go. They don't count. The Titans release them. What I also know is, the Titans did lose Jonu Smith, Corey Davis, and Clowney to big money deals that would count towards the compensatory pick formula. And those, like I said, those are valid. Those count towards what's going on. And on the flip side, the only guys I see that the Titans have signed that would go against the compensatory pick formula are Bud Dupree with his $16.5 million a year and then Danico Autry with his roughly $7 million per year. So to me, the Titans should end up with a fifth or a sixth round compensatory draft pick as they lost three big price free agents and only gained two. Now, Janoris Jenkins deal. Will that come in in the compensatory pick formula? By my count, it's going to be too low to register and be a factor. Similarly with Desmond King, Kevin Johnson, Josh Reynolds. None of those signings are going to have big enough money to, to factor into the formula based on precedent, based on previous history. So, will be interesting to see how that ultimately shakes out. We will get more information on that going forward, but by my count, the Titans should be in line in 2022 as things stand right now for a late round compensatory pick. So we will see what happens there. And of course, I will update you as we get more definite information going forward. But speaking of going forward, we are going to go forward with today's show and take a look at an article from Matt Harmon at Yahoo.com talking about wide receiver groups around the NFL and why the Titans group isn't necessarily in a great place. Before we have that discussion, though, do want to tell you guys about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Rockauto.com's online catalog is unique, it's remarkably easy to use, and you can get everything you need for your vehicle delivered directly to your door in just a few easy clicks. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even brand new carpet. So make sure you go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and make sure that you write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that I sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
Titans fans, we are going to continue this Thursday edition of the Locked on Titans podcast by taking a look at an article here that talks about the wide receiver groups around the NFL, and I kind of held this back, but the article is about the top 10 worst wide receiver groups in the National Football League, and the Titans do make an appearance on the list, but... I don't think it's as dire as it may sound, and I'm going to break that all down here. Before we dive into that discussion, though, as always, a few housekeeping things. want to remind you guys, I'm going to be putting out Monday through Friday daily Tennessee Titans content here on the Locked on Titans podcast, and there are no other Tennessee Titans content creators that can say that. So make sure that you never miss an episode by following the Locked on Titans podcast on whatever platform you do stream. Also, follow me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. Check out the new Facebook page for the show at Locked on Titans Pod. And also, make sure to give the show a review on Apple iTunes if you are so inclined. Also, after you subscribe and follow the Locked on Titans podcast, go follow the Locked on Today podcast. It's all the biggest sports stories nationwide in under 20 minutes every morning. It's like having the sports section read to you. Make sure that you follow the Locked on Today podcast on whatever platform you do stream or the Odyssey app. But let's dive into this article. And what I want to do is I kind of want to start at the top of the list and go through until we get to the Tennessee Titans. So number one, the worst wide receiver group in the NFL, according to Matt Harmon from Yahoo Sports, is the Detroit Lions. And I absolutely agree with that. They have Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams and basically nobody else. And from Matt's perspective, they don't have a quality number one starting caliber veteran, and they don't have a promising young wide receiver also. So that's why it's the worst group. Next, you have the Philadelphia Eagles, who are in a similar spot, but at least they have Jalen Rager. But outside of that, Travis Fulgham is really the only person worth mentioning. So uh, a tough spot for the Eagles there. Next, the New England Patriots, and I agree with Harmon here. Adding Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, they're decent players, but that doesn't really change anything. They still have a bust in Nikhil Harry and just another guy in Jacoby Myers. So a pretty rough, rough group there in New England. Next, the Baltimore Ravens. Outside of Marquise Brown, they've signed Sammy Watkins, but can you really trust on him? Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay, nothing really to write home about. They need some help in the draft. Then the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, They do have first-round pick from last year, Henry Ruggs. They did bring in John Brown, who was a free agent I really had my eye on, but outside of that, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, uh, Willie Sneed, not a lot to write home about. Then the Indianapolis Colts fully agree here with the Colts being number six worst wide receiver group. They brought back T.Y. Hilton, but T.Y. Hilton's on his last legs in the league. Michael Pittman maybe takes another step, but I wasn't overly impressed. Paris Campbell has been up and down in his career, so... Uh, I love seeing the Colts on that list. Number seven is the Houston Texans, and they may have Brandon Cooks, but outside of that, Andre Roberts, Chris Moore, Dante Moncrief, I mean, it's pretty rough. Kiki Kuti, um, love seeing two Titans division rivals on the list. Then you have the Miami Dolphins, and I don't really know how I feel about this one. I think Preston Williams is a pretty good player. They added Will Fuller. I'm a big fan of Devontae Parker. Now, none of those guys, in my opinion, are a true number one, and that's the argument that Harmon makes, but I don't really see that group as a top 10 terrible wide receiver group, but alas, they're number eight. And number nine is the New York Jets. So now you know where the Titans rank in this top 10, but the New York Jets 
Jets. They signed Corey Davis. They have Jamison Crowder. They brought in Keelan Cole, but none of those guys are number one receivers. So although that's a very solid two, three, four, if you don't have the bona fide number one, it really kind of takes down the ceiling of your team. They do have Denzel Mims, who will be in his second year, but what can he be? It's unknown going forward. And that does bring us here to number 10, the Tennessee Titans. And I want to just kind of quickly read the, the blurb here from Harmon about the Titans position group. Quote, the Titans represent a tide change on this list. Unlike every other team in spots one to nine, the Titans have solved the hardest part. They have a true, dominant, alpha, number one receiver in the fold with A.J. Brown. Brown's presence alone meant I couldn't in good conscience say Tennessee was worse off at receiver position than other teams with a collection of okay starters. Think about the Ravens. Think about the Raiders. Think about the Jets. However, let's be clear. The Titans receiver depth chart is brutal after Brown. Former Rams third at best receiver Josh Reynolds was signed to a one-year deal and is currently penciled in as the number two. That's not what you want. Quick aside, I disagree with Harmon there. I think Josh Reynolds is a solid number two. Nothing in Reynolds' career thus far screams ready for a promotion. Again, a quick aside, I disagree with you, Matt Harmon. Last year, he had over 50 catches, 600 yards. I think As a third wide receiver, that is screaming for a promotion. But whatever, back into his quote. We should consider Tennessee a virtual lock to pluck a player from the second tier of receivers in the 2021 NFL Draft. They could even look to add Brown's fellow Ole Miss product, Elijah Moore, who would bring a a slot and big play option to the table. End quote. Now, I agree with Harmon there. The Titans most certainly could look to add Elijah Moore. He's a very popular name on Titans Twitter, not only because he fits what the Titans want to do, as Harmon mentioned, he is a slot guy and a big play option, but A.J. Brown, being from Ole Miss, said that he wanted Elijah Moore to be on the team in a tweet, so now every Titans fan wants him on the team, and quite frankly, I'm not opposed to A.J. Brown being happy. I want to keep that guy around for as long as he plays football. But here's what I do want to say about Elijah Moore. I wouldn't take him at number 22. I just don't see the value there. If the Titans trade down into the early second round, then yeah, I see that there. 53, Elijah Moore won't get to 53. But if the Titans trade up from 53 into the top 40 at 38 or 39 or 40 itself, then yeah, I'm fully on board. But even though the Titans do have a big need at wide receiver, I don't think it's as dire as Harmon makes it seem because I'm higher on Josh Reynolds than he obviously is. But either way, the point of this exercise is obvious. The Titans do need to add a wide receiver pretty high in the draft, and it just depends on who's available, where the value is, but either way, it's something that they certainly have to address in the first two days. But with that in mind, we are going to jump into the updates to the off-season workout schedule and get some more updates on how different teams are handling these voluntary off-season workouts. Before we dive into that, do want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, the NHL, and the MLB are all in full swing. Plus, BetOnline has award shows, TV shows, and reality TV too. Pretty much anything you could place a bet on, BetOnline.ag has real-time updated odds and props for. So head to their website today or use your mobile device. Sign up for free and use promo code LOCKEDON. That's one word, LOCKEDON, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
fans, we are going to cap off this Thursday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast by talking about some updates to the off-season workout schedule for all teams, including the Tennessee Titans, and then, of course, some updates on the general situation going on right now with the off-season workout. So some big updates there. Before we talk about that, though, remember, April 19th, through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaCanfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts from every team, that includes me, will be making trades and picking the next stars for their club. So make sure that you follow the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 so you can check out all of the different picks in this mock draft and all of the analysis that goes along with it. It's presented by Locked On and the Odyssey app. So check it out on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. But let's dive into these updates here. And first, I want to talk about the off-season program and the schedule for that that was defined by the NFL on Wednesday. First and foremost, the off-season program is nine weeks in length. It's going to go from April 19th to June the 8th. 18th, and it's three different phases, so they break it up into three different parts. Number one, the first phase is the first four weeks from April 19th to May the 14th, and during this time, the the clubs will have virtual meetings. Players can be at the facility for two hours per day max. There will be no on-field drills or work with coaches. Remember, it's more about virtual meetings, but the players can use the facility and the weight room. Uh, The capacities remain in place as they are right now. The limits for how many people can be in each spot due to COVID restrictions, that's going to stay the same as it is right now because players are using the facility right now on their own discretion. Think about going in to get in a lift, going in, getting treatment on an injury, going in, uh, not to mention Deshaun Watson, but you could get like a massage, uh, different therapy like that. You can eat, you know, the facility is open to the employees of the business. So uh, that's how things are, but the the limits that are in place right now are going to stay in place. And also during this time, and you know, whatever your opinions are here, it is mentioned that the clubs will make vaccines available to the players, the staff, and their families during this first phase of the program. So the NFL is really hoping to get as many players and staff around the league vaccinated during that four-week time span. The second phase of the program is where we see some on-field drill start, and it's only one week long from May 17th to May 21st, but the virtual meetings will continue, and then on-field drills can actually take place with coaches. Now, there's no contact in those drills. The pace of those drills has to stay pretty low, but that's still on-field work. And then the third and final phase is going to be from May 24th to June the 18th, and this is where you get the traditional organized team activities, the 10-day period, full speed drills out on the field, but of course, no contact. You'll have in-person and virtual meetings, and it does include a mandatory minicamp. Remember, the big thing about this all-season program is for most veterans... This is all voluntary stuff until that mandatory minicamp in the third phase. So when you take that into account, that is going to lead us into the next part of our discussion here where we're seeing NFL teams basically as a group boycott 
any voluntary work whatsoever during the offseason. The NFL Players Association is making the case that, you know, due to COVID-19, it's not safe for players to be at the facility as much as the NFL and the teams want the players to be there. Now, I've already weighed in on the pros and cons of that situation. I talked about that yesterday, but I do want to give you guys an update here that we've seen more teams than what we talked about on yesterday's show add to the list of teams that are boycotting voluntary workouts. But it's getting it's getting a little interesting, I will say. So the first three teams who originally boycotted the voluntary offseason workouts were the Broncos, the Seahawks, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But then on Wednesday, we saw the Detroit Lions also do that, and we saw the New England Patriots come out and do that. But here's where it gets a little dicey. The New England Patriots press release from the NFL Players Association said many, quote-unquote, many players will be participating in a boycott. Well, that doesn't mean all. And that gets us back. It gets us back to what I talked about yesterday. If you're a guy who is okay with getting vaccinated as a football player, you're a Patriot, and you're already vaccinated, or you plan to get vaccinated, and you're a young guy, you're a new rookie, you're an undrafted free agent from last year, you're a futures contract that was signed early in the offseason. Are you going to stay out of the facility? Are you going to not go in and do in-person meetings with your coaches? Are you going to not go into the facility and get your workouts in? Are you going to not go into the facility and do on-field drills when they're available to you? When you're a guy who's scraping and clawing for your NFL life and any little thing can either be the end of your career or the reason you stick on a 53. This, as I said yesterday, this boycotting the NFL program for the offseason, it's designed... The whole philosophy of it is designed to help veteran players who have more of a say in the players' union. It is not designed to help the young players who are scratching and clawing for their NFL life, who need as many reps, who need as much experience in the building, who need as much one-on-one time with their coaches as possible. These are for the veterans who have their own personal trainer. They have their plan figured out. They have their offseason figured out. If you could work from home as much as possible, wouldn't you? I would. I love working from home. But if I'm honest, it's easier to work at the office to be around my coworkers and have real-time dialogue, not in a chat. Person-to-person work and person-to-person contact will always be more efficient. To me, it's like online dating. You can talk all you want, texting, on Snapchat, blah, 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 chatting all day long. But in my opinion, you don't really make a connection with somebody until you look at them in the eyes. You see their their body language. You see their facial expressions, how they react to jokes, how they react to things that you say. Does this make them smile? Does this make them frown? Does this make their eyes move in a certain way? All of those physical cues are important to communication and language with the human race. And we're getting too deep down the rabbit hole here, but the point is, The reality is guys are going to develop more, especially the young guys, by working in the facility at their job with their coaches than they are working on their own, especially the young guys. There are veterans who are just as productive 
working on their own, sure. But not for a lot of young guys. And the majority of the NFL are roster bubble guys who are scratching and clawing for their life. And they can't afford to to boycott these voluntary workouts. They just can't afford to do it. Now, speaking of affording to miss workouts, here's one thing that I did want to mention to you that, again, things are a little dicey from the NFLPA's front. So, certain teams, and this is a team-by-team basis, certain teams will put off-season workout bonuses into players' contracts. So you show up for a certain amount of voluntary workouts, you get a bonus, you get more money. If you're a guy with that in your contract, you're going to decline the money for safety reasons? No, you're not. And that's why the NFLPA has instructed four teams who do participate in off-season workout bonuses, four organizations who do that very often in contracts, the NFLPA has told those four rosters of people, oh, you should go to your workouts and get your money. Well, if safety was the primary concern, then why would you tell those four teams, yeah, go ahead and go to the off-season workouts? Why? Because there's money involved? So is the money more important than the safety at the end of the day? And the reality is you're not that concerned about the safety in terms of COVID-19 protocols and really you just want to get your players union out of work and out of the building as much as possible? What's really going on here? You guys can make your own assumptions about that. It's pretty obvious how I feel. But once again, it's a dicey situation. But the Titans are not a team that does off-season workout bonuses. Nobody on the roster right now has an off-season workout bonus in their contract. So will the Titans, as a roster, boycott those off-season workouts because there's no financial incentive for them to do it? I don't know. We will see again. As I said yesterday, I will update you guys when the Titans make a decision. If they come out and say anything at all, I will be right there to let you know. But that's going to do it for this Thursday edition of the Locked on Titans podcast. As I mentioned, make sure that you follow the show so you never miss an episode on whatever platform you do stream. But as always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked on Titans.